Where do you go? The address. 66 Harborview Road. Hello, hello, and welcome to 66 Harborview Road, a podcast dedicated to ABC's General Hospital. I'm your host, Caitlin, and in this episode, we are talking about the week of January 30th through February 3rd. Starting off short and sweet, Chase and Brooklyn are at a gig along with Blaze, and Sasha had texted Chase about Willow, but they don't know everything yet. Chase then says he can't do this anymore because the review board meeting is coming up and he needs to focus on being a cop. Blah, 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 right? (laughs) He then saw Link try to put his hand on Brooklyn's thigh, and I think that angered him so much that he's just not going to give up on arresting Link. Side note, do we think Link is short for Lincoln? Something I thought of. We also see Sasha and Maxie are getting manicures before Brit's memorial, having a nice heart-to-heart. Sasha then brings up Lucy, and Maxie says, whoa, don't count her out. We don't give up. This pseudo-family of Sasha, Maxie, Lucy is really cute, especially for Sasha, because both Lucy and Maxie will be excellent arsenal against Gladys spending all of Sasha's dough. Lucy is still at the safe house where Anna and Valentine and Felicia are. Felicia enters the living room to spike the coffee, and Anna says they'll have to lay low, and they think about their families and how their families are going to think that they're dead. Anna is confident that Robin will know the difference, because as long as there's no body, it doesn't mean anyone's dead. Felicia steps out for a minute, and turns out she was bringing Charlotte to see Valentine. As Charlotte is visiting, Felicia and Anna talk about how they missed a lot of their children growing up because of their adventures. I mean, it's nice that they're writing that in now that Felicia is a tad bit regretful, but Maxie is like in her mid-30s now. Back in Port Charles, Marshall is wondering if Trina should go to Britt's memorial because the hook is still out there, and he also does not want her near Spencer. There's a knock at the door, and Curtis answers to Aunt Stella with a big hug. She's back to help with the wedding. She asks about Esme, hears that she's at Spring Ridge, and Stella wants to take Portia and Trina to lunch, but Trina has to go to the memorial, so Stella goes with her to the hospital. And as Trina's getting her things together, Stella asks Marshall what's going on with the music at the wedding, and everyone gets awkward. (laughs) As Stella and Trina are leaving, Trina asks Stella about her cousin Wanda, which brings up the genealogy test that Trina took in high school, but then she deleted her profile. And that started to get Aunt Stella's gears turning. So we get to GH and we see that Portia is on her phone doing some wedding planning and she turns around and sees Jordan. Jordan's there for Brit's memorial and she also stated she wanted to support TJ. Terry was in this scene for a second, and she has no idea about the tension between Portia and Jordan, so she's being extra friendly, and she just does not pick up on it, which I thought was so funny. I was laughing. Portia tries to get out of there quick, but Jordan says, hey, I just spoke to Taggart about you and Trina and security at the wedding. Portia starts to lose it and thinks that Jordan's motivation is to have Curtis to herself, like, very petty I I guess it's not out of the realm of thinking, but this would be going way too far if that were the case. And Jordan gets in her face that she doesn't want Curtis anymore, and she's on Portia's side. She just wants Portia to tell the truth. And this is when Anstella walked in and Trina shortly behind. 
So Jordan and Stella have a little sidestep, and Stella asks why she was interested in Trina's genealogy. Like Jocelyn the other week, Jordan says it all without saying anything. Stella catches on that she may have another relative, puts it together with Trina, but for a second she thought Portia and Curtis were related, which actually might have been interesting (laughs) if they went that direction. But by the end of it, Stella puts together that Taggart may not be Trina's father, and she is about to blow the top off the secret. Jordan's begging her not to meddle into things, so Stella says, well, let's get some proof and tell Curtis. Portia then walks into Stella and Jordan's conversation because the plan was for Stella to take the girls out to lunch and then to pick up Portia's dress. Unfortunately, now Stella's attitude has changed. Portia is nervous to get the dress and Stella is trying to lightly coax her to be truthful about things. Portia, of course, avoiding all of this and instead saying how much love there is going to be in this wedding and all the family she gets to embrace. She tries to give Stella a bracelet that's been in Portia's family for generations, but Stella doesn't accept it at first. She is feeling weird about this situation with who Trina's father could be. But after trying on her dress to officiate the wedding, Portia adding the bracelet, Stella doesn't want to ruin Portia's happiness. I mean, this is new for Stella. Usually she would not care. She would tell her something. But Jordan was right. There is no definitive proof. I guarantee Stella will get some, though. Back at Portia and Curtis's house, Marshall is discussing genetic testing. And he ended up getting those tests done. They also made a funny joke about Stella finding out, (laughs) but Marshall wants to be all in with his family. If the genetic testing proves he doesn't have schizophrenia, okay, well then we'll just go from there. If it shows he does, then cool, nothing's changed. After that conversation, Curtis goes to meet with Drew about their tuxedo since Drew is Curtis's best man. Curtis asks about Willow and Drew drops that Nina is her mother. Curtis tells Drew about how he tracked down Phyllis years ago and how Valentine then screwed up his chase. They have a light back and forth about Nina and Carly and how Curtis will always stand up for Nina. I like that Curtis is Nina's Jason to some extent. Well, maybe Nina and Carly are more alike than they think. Curtis then blurts out that he's glad Drew and Carly never got together and Drew's face was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Drew says, hey, if you could forgive your father, then I think this could be forgiven. And Curtis says, well, Carly's betrayal is not something he could ever forgive. I mean, when you get down to brass tacks, everyone's going to do what they want to do. So Drew and Carly are going to be together. It's probably going to be a little rocky, not smooth sailing like Carly probably thinks it is. Okay, so getting into the hospital side of things, Willow is inducing labor, and Michael could not be happier. Sonny shows up, and Michael steps out of the room, and this is when Willow tells Sonny that they are inducing labor. Carly and Drew are out in the hallway at this point, and they are hugging about the news, and Nina rounds the corner and sees them, and she had no problem running up to them and saying, hmm, you guys look cozy. And, oh, Drew, look at how you forgave Carly. Everybody does. And Carly says, Nina, do you really want to compare people who love and forgive me to you no matter what? (laughs) She had a really good point there. 
So Nina starts yelling. Sunny walks up asking if there is a problem. Nina is like a ticking time bomb right now. I would love to see Cynthia Watros play one of Nina's breakdowns. Sunny then gives her the news that the baby could help save Willow, and Nina says there might be something she can do after all. So what that something was was to just go see Willow. Nina told her that she can unload on her because she's not friends, she's not family, she can say whatever she wants, but Willow says, sorry, I am not ready for this, that's crossing into a boundary that I don't want with you right now. Good on Willow. Don't let anything stand in the way of your principles. Terry comes in to prep Willow for surgery and Nina tells her, good luck. And as we go back into the hallway, Sonny is standing next to Michael and he says that he just wants to be there for his son. Michael doesn't really get a chance to answer because Nina runs up and tells him that Terry is ready for him. Nina is upset that Willow still doesn't want anything to do with her right now and she tells Sonny sometimes wars are unavoidable. Sonny now trying to play the... I don't know, pacifist, like what is going on? He wants Nina to let go of all the Carly stuff. And I mean, he has a point because if Nina didn't keep bringing it up, I don't think Carly would either. You can still not like each other and stay away from each other and also letting go of certain grudges and certain angers, you know what I mean? So then we all see Willow being wheeled into the elevator Austin is with Michael preparing him for the birth and Michael wants to make sure he's not compromising anything and Austin does a great job of comforting him. After all, they are family. Elizabeth is in the OR comforting Willow as the others walk in. The baby is born just fine but Willow starts to slip. During that slip, Michael is at the NICU and Jocelyn walks up. They have a great brother-sister moment and then Carly gets there. They talk about Wiley picking out names, and then we get to see Bobby. It's been a while since we've seen Bobby. I miss her. Carly then calls Sunny to tell him about the baby, and then Sunny tells her that the OR doctors are looking for Michael. So Michael rushes up there, starts praying to Willow to come home, and during Willow's slip, she goes into this weird, like, in-between life and death stage and sees Harmony. And Harmony is trying to bring her into the light, I guess. And as Willow is walking towards it, she hears Michael's voice urging her to go back to the land of the living. Now, I gotta say, that scene, yes, could have been corny, but I also appreciated the CGI and special effects that were done. So it wasn't that bad. I've definitely seen worse. So Carly, Bobby, and Jocelyn are with baby girl Corinthos or baby girl Tate. I don't know what what they would be calling her. But Carly gets the call that Willow is going to be just fine and they make a joke about having a Spencer sorority. Michael is in Willow's hospital room while she's unconscious hoping for her to wake up, which I'm assuming she's going to. And our next big thing is going to be Willow and Nina trying to get along as mother-daughter. Back out in the hall, Austin, Terry, and TJ talk about how Willow pulled through. It was a small scene, but I like seeing the hospital characters together. Kind of reminds me of that time in like 2005 and 6 when Robin, some of the other doctors and nurses would hang out. We could use a good hospital crisis about now. So as Jocelyn was there supporting Michael, Willow, and the new baby, Trina runs into her going to Britt's memorial, and Trina tells her that she wants to support everyone. 
and Jocelyn asks how she found out about the breakup and Trina tells her Cameron told her. Trina is very understanding because she was part of that conversation with Jocelyn, like, let's stay with these good guys because they're good guys and we'll figure it out. (laughs) So Trina does understand that it was more than growing apart. Joss does apologize for not talking to Trina herself and they decide to talk after the memorial, but not before Jocelyn gets to ask about Spencer. They have a short back and forth about that. And Trina says, well, you've, you've forgiven Spencer so many times. And Jocelyn goes, yeah, but I don't have feelings for him. <laughs> I just thought it was a little funny conversation. After that, Sona, Maxie, and Sasha go see Willow's baby girl. And Jocelyn goes to see Dex and tells him about Willow, the baby, and she gets into how she is feeling survivor's guilt. And Dex says, wow, when you lay it out, I've really ruined your life. <laughs> And I mean, it's true, but she tells him that, you know what, I might be scared, but I'm the good kind of scared. So here we go. I'm sure that is going to be a roller coaster. So at Brit's memorial, Spencer is the first to arrive. Ava walks in and talks to Spencer about trying to take Esme's baby. He tells her Trina is supportive, but does not agree with it. And Ava decides she wants to help. She gives him a piece of paper that says it is the smoking gun, a web address of the video of Nicholas's confession. Spencer does not care that this will put his dad as his enemy, but this video reminded me of Helena's video that we still haven't seen the rest of, and I think it would be interesting if Spencer was the first person to see it. Trina then walks in the chapel and sees Ava giving Spencer that piece of paper, and then Ava invites Trina over to Windermere for dinner. (laughs) I hope Ava gives the place a makeover. I would be very interested to see what Ava is going to do to a castle. Spencer then tells Trina about the paper and the link it has, and Trina is not on board. She's, She's a good girl. She wants everyone to follow the rules in life. And like Spencer said, that's ideal, but that's not how it is. Trina finally says, fine, but I'm watching the video with you. So they watch it. A little surprising that they watched it right there in the hospital, but I did take note on how, I mean, they had to reshoot that confession tape scene. Good for Adam Huss. He got paid for that, you know, doing a little background. The issue I have with the video is that you he's obviously reading from a paper, And he kind of looks like he's under duress. So I don't know how much that would hold up if there was a good lawyer. Trina still does not agree with this plan, but Spencer is smiling like a true Cassidine. Meanwhile, we see the new temporary Nicholas walk into Spring Ridge with Carolyn Weber. They go to see Esme so Carolyn can examine her, and she determines it's disassociative amnesia. Carolyn really doesn't want to do any hypnotism or influence, so she gets out of there. And when she leaves, Nicholas asks Esme, what makes you think Spencer is the father of your baby? Then proceeds to tell her that he's the father. Way to go, Nicholas, just confusing this poor girl if she truly has amnesia, like you've made her situation worse in her head. And Esme was not okay with this. So, of course, Nicholas starts lying through his teeth. Carolyn ran straight to GH to tell Elizabeth about Nicholas's plan. So will these girls unite against Nicholas? Or will they unite just to keep Liz from being charged with aiding and abetting a fugitive? 
by the way, Liz's hair was everything this week. It looked so good. Liz then thanks Carolyn for the information and thanked her for calling her Elizabeth instead of Lizzie. I mean, most likely she will forgive Carolyn before Jeff. I, I need Jeff to get some heat from the people of Port Charles. Get him in front of Monica, Bobby, uh, geez, are, are those the last of the 70s and 80s crew? Oh, well, there's Scott and Laura. But do they have a lot of run-ins with Jeff? By the nurse's station, Ava walks up to Austin to thank him for the plastic surgeon referral for the hook attack scar. They talk about Mason for a second, and Austin then has to run to Willow's emergency, which is when she was starting to slip. Later that evening, Ava goes to Kelly's where she runs into Austin and offers to buy him dinner. They bring up Mason, and then Ava goes to her new home at Windermere. Not long after, we see Mason on the phone talking about Ava to somebody, and Austin is right behind him. <laughs> GH has been having some classic soap moments lately, and I'm loving it. Like, the whole someone is behind you while having a seemingly private conversation, uh, the serious looks at, as you open the door or from afar, like, it's been awesome. So as Ava's going to Windermere, Nicholas is walking into GH, and sees Elizabeth. She then gets in his face about how Carolyn told her everything, and I mean, she's furious. I, I don't know if history is going to save them this time. Nicholas is hoping so, but Liz wants to break out of this bind. At this same time, Finn is getting a visit from Laura, and we get a Jake and Aiden mention about time. I mean, Jake is 16 this year. He could start driving, which makes him more interesting. Laura then brings up Elizabeth, which at first, I didn't think it was helpful, but she's worried about Liz and wants Finn to, like, help in some way. And as Laura and Finn get off the elevator on their way to the memorial, they see Nicholas and Elizabeth and Nicholas grabbing her arm. Finn yells, Nick, get your hands off her, really loud, and Laura is standing right next to Finn. So as Liz goes off with Finn and Laura goes off with Nicholas, she's telling him, you used to be a good man. And I started to think, yeah, you know when that was? The Emily years, the Four Musketeers era. Nicholas has lost every good influence in his life besides Elizabeth. And she has her own family to deal with. She cannot shoulder the burden of making Nicholas a good person. I've been saying for a while we could use Lucky back here. We could have Lulu wake up. Now that Taggart's back on the show, we can bring back Gia. I mean, Nicholas used to have good influences. So Finn took Liz to his office and Liz decides to tell him the whole truth. She never had an affair. It was never pregnant. Nick had Esme. She helped. Now there's this huge mess. And she ended her week with wanting to turn herself in. And all the while, Esme is at Spring Ridge looking over her custody papers from Nicholas when Heather, of all people, intercepts, tells her it's a bad idea. Cassidines are known for being rich and powerful with questionable morals. Not that Heather is any better, but Esme doesn't need to know that right this instant, I guess. <laughs> Esme sees Ryan and thinks it's Dr. Collins and kind of freaks out. So Heather has to tell Esme that he's paralyzed and speaks through his eyes, all that stuff. And honestly, Esme looked more curious than afraid. So Heather then goes up to him, telling him the cops are onto him, and he confirms that Maggie, whoever she is, knows that Ryan is Esme's father. So the new plan is to basically kidnap Esme and break out. But honestly, sounds exciting. 
Sam and Dante went to London to find out more about Maggie, but turned up nothing. So they are back in Port Charles. They walk into Kelly's to see Sasha, Maxie, and Cody all about to go to the memorial. Sam announces that Willow had her baby, and they all get to GH, and Sante talked to Jordan about the Maggie of it all. We saw Scott and Liesl walk up to Britt's office where her name tag was about to be removed, and Liesl is looking into an empty office reminiscing about Britt. Brad walks in shortly after because he wanted to leave an ice cream spoon on her desk from when they would eat ice cream together and gossip, and I thought that was very sweet. We then see Jordan on her way to Brit's memorial, and she runs into Curtis. We have some small talk, and Jordan's awkwardness brings her to the chapel, where Trina leaves Spencer to speak with her alone. And Spencer asks Jordan what will happen to Esme's baby, and throws the theory out that Nicholas might be in jail. So Jordan questions if there's evidence Spencer knows about, and he says she'll be the first to know. You've already let too much information out because you're too young and inexperienced with this. Sorry, Spencer. (laughs) You just are. Trina was also trying to play Spencer here to show him that he still cares about his father, not wanting to throw him in jail right away. And I also thought it was interesting that Spencer kept replaying the part in the video where Nicholas says, like, any chance of reconciliation with my son has been destroyed. Like, he kept replaying that. As he's listening, Sonny walks in, but he doesn't hear the video, and Spencer tells him that he's going to take Esme's baby, and then I started thinking, yo, watch Victor get the baby. That would be something. So at the start of Brit's memorial, Spencer tells Trina that he is going to keep the video a family matter, but he still is going to take Esme's baby. Nina then gives the first statements about Brit, then Brad, Scott, Terry, but Terry has a surprise. And it was Britt's picture being on the memorial wall. I thought that was very sweet. Spencer stayed behind in the chapel with Trina, telling her how Britt understood him without judgment and vice versa. And Trina really can understand his pain here. Laura and Nicholas then walk in, super late, and Spencer says he won't let Nick ruin his little brother or sister's life and that he is seeking full custody. Laura and Nick are shocked. This was an excellent scene. I mean, you can feel every emotion behind Spencer saying Nicholas is not fit to be a parent. Then he goes into how the case won't even make it to court and begins reciting the confession tape. Nick then figured out that Ava gave Spencer this information and Nick says his son is truly gone. Poor Laura freaking out. What little family she has left is self-destructing. Lulu's in a coma, Lucky is nowhere to be found, and Nicholas is furious and confused how Ava and Spencer could team up. He grips up Spencer and says, you're every bit of Cassidyne, and walks out, goes straight for Windermere to see Ava. Man, this is some exciting stuff. I am so excited to watch the episodes ahead. After that, I think we're having a nurse's ball. Did I hear that right? That would be kind of cool. And I really think that this year is going to show us some good stuff. As always, you can find me on Twitter at 66 underscore view, Instagram at 66 Harborview Road, and TikTok at 66 underscore Harborview Road. From the Quartermain Foyer, I bid you a great week.